Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Welcome to the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast and podcast ministry of Highland Terrace Baptist Church in Greenville, Texas. I'm Pastor Chet Haney, and I'm so happy to be joined in studio today by none other than J.C. Ivers. J.C., thanks, man, for coming in. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you, J.C. Great to have you here, period. (laughs) And uh, great to have you with us today on our on our uh, episode. So, uh, man, you've been here quite a while now, like a total of uh, six months, a year. Yeah. Has it been a year? Yet? It hadn't been a year. It won't be till September. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. So you're still fresh, man. Green, wet behind the ears, yeah. transition city. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's good <laughs> to be here. It's It's been interesting uh, transitioning to calling Greenville home. It's been good. I bet it has. I mean, good yeah. night. You've uh, moved from Virginia yep. to Texas. You have uh, brought your wife with you. You guys have just had a baby. That's right. Wow. I mean, how much more can you go through in one year? Not to mention adding COVID on top of everything else. Right. Challenges right. of ministry and family. And uh, what a whirlwind. How have you? Uh, how have you been able to kind of keep your... Head on straight during all this time. Man, I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a good thing that we can trust the Lord and he's constant, you know, yes, and, and that's the truth. And, uh, honestly, um, I feel like sometimes I kind of thrive in the craziness to a degree, so I can be a seat mm. of the pants guy a little bit. Uh-huh. Sometimes it opens up some opportunities to really let the Lord move and get out of the way. Um, and I really Don't feel mind. like there's been a lot of that. Gotcha. Don't mind freestyling a little bit? I guess not. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. It's important to be able to do that. Yeah. Because life is unpredictable. Absolutely. Sometimes it's not so much what we've got planned, but adjusting what God has planned. Absolutely. <laughs> All the time, really. You know, it's kind of funny. We did not even know each other, and we both came here uh, from the same roots. Yep. Yeah. Denison. Yes. When I, uh, when I first kind of saw oh there's a job opening at this church in mm-hmm. greenville texas and yeah. maybe i might be the guy i saw chet haney and i was like well i know who that is he doesn't know me but um, about certainly knew of you so it was kind of yeah. kind of cool how that all worked out yeah and i know your mom real well because she was a very effective music minister at calvary there yeah. in denison greg smith your pastor uh, growing up was a dear friend of mine a prayer partner yeah. We've been on our knees together many hours. Uh, and you can't really say that about very many friends, but Greg was one of those special guys that I really lived and breathed and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears kind of friend. Yeah. Really was. And I respected him a lot in his ministry and his leadership in your church, Calvary, and in our community. There was uh, very well known, very, very highly respected guy. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're still in touch with Greg. 
Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, not a whole lot. It's it's probably been twelve or thirteen years since uh-huh. uh, he was pastor at Calvary, and yeah. Uh, but I, I do occasionally just reach out to him, but eh, rarely. But yeah. it's good to have that connection for sure. Didn't we? Uh, I don't think I'm making this up. Talk possibly about inviting Greg up sometime. Yes. To possibly participate in your ordination service later on, maybe this year. Yes, and yeah. I, I have talked to him. I think he's definitely he's going to do everything he can to make it. So well, sweet. Hopefully, we'll be seeing him. Man, I hope that works out. Yeah, that would be so cool. Um, we were possibly going to have an ordination, uh, kind of a double wedding with you and Austin, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, but something kind of came up. Something, yeah. Her name is uh, Winter Lee Ivers. And she yeah. entered the world about three days before that ordination was supposed to happen. Yeah. So, so everybody said this is going to rock your world and <laughs> life is going to change as you know it. Has that been true so far? How long have you been a dad now? Three weeks? Exactly two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what normal is going to look like you know i haven't been in the office these last two weeks and so that's kind of been a unique thing and you know obviously next week things are going to go back to a normal routine and we'll figure it out but it's definitely not going to be the same we haven't really even talked about this uh jc i'm sorry we haven't had a chance but would you mind to share uh your feeling the first time you laid eyes on your daughter oh my goodness yeah yeah um I think the first thing I kind of noticed, because uh, it was kind of a crazy situation, we wound up with an emergency C-section, so yeah. there were kind of a lot of things going on in probably the hour, half hour beforehand, mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting in there having casual conversation in the operating room with my wife, and they said, hey, you can stand up and see the baby, and I was like, what? So I stood up, and I the first thing, that baby looked exactly like me. It is incredible. Wow. Uh, the resemblance, uh, to myself as a child that I've seen his pictures and her. Yep. Uh, so that was striking. And, um, so you, you know, couldn't they, deny her. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> they, they laid her out and kind of cleaned her up and we're working on her and weighing her and doing all the different stuff. And she's just looking at me. She's got big wow. dark eyes and Man. she was so alert. It was, it was just shocking, but it was, it was Man. awesome. Did your and, heart melt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I also kind of thought, you know, what kind of made me break down a little bit was just yeah. thinking about how, you know, obviously I'm excited, my life's changing, but everyone in my family, you know, she's the first on both sides. Mm. You know, my dad's 63, he's ready to be a grandpa. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was just kind of an overwhelming emotional moment, yeah. you know, just thinking about how that's going to impact our family and how great it's going to be. So. Well, you're a big family guy. Absolutely. It's a big thing to you. Yeah. Why is that? I think it always has been. I haven't known anything else. Um, my, uh, so growing up there in Denison, um, had, uh, my mom's side of the family was, was all there. So her, her only sister and my grandparents on that side of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have cousins, uh, that I grew up with like siblings, you know, we would get, all of our parents were educators. My aunt, uncle, mom, and dad on that side of the family. Hmm. Uh, my dad wasn't at the time, but now he is. He switched hmm. careers and is yeah. now an educator too. So, wow. um, they would have to go to school 
So they would drop us off at our grandmother's house, and Grand would take all of us to school together. So we'd get dropped off and picked up and uh, just kind of spent a lot of those kind of extra hours, you know, a couple hours every day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, saw each other all the time, Saturdays. And uh, I don't know, I don't know how to live life without family, I think. You know, it's 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 a huge deal, you know, for me. Yeah. So. So translate that to church family. Absolutely. What is a uh, church family to you, JC? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's just um, it's so important to have genuine friendships and relationships in the church. You know, mm-hmm. um, And in, you know, my limited experience in ministry, I've, I've been in three different churches now. Um, it matters a great deal. It matters a, a great deal because ministry can either be uh, one of the most unifying things, but there's a loneliness to it as well. Yeah. Um, and when you can't find, uh, dear, dear friends that can just be friends that are also kind of part of that community, mm-hmm. um, I've struggled there. Um, yeah. you know, struggled, uh, when I haven't had it. I feel, uh, really good that I do have it here and it's, it's been a blessing. Um, you got it right here in the office, important. don't you? Absolutely. You got three musketeers running around here. Yeah, for those of you that may not know our listening audience, we have three highly talented, brand new ministers who have just come in and taken our church by storm this year, and uh, really blessed us so much. And uh, you're a part of that, aren't you? I, I love hearing the the laughter in our office. Sometimes howling laughter <laughs> sometimes hard to study laughter <laughs> hey, and uh, same here <laughs> yeah but it makes me real happy because i uh i feel like that's a real healthy indication that uh things are good in the office yeah, yeah let me tell you what i'd much rather hear laughter than to hear drama yeah <laughs> you know absolutely. and uh, it seems like our office is gotten so close. We have gotten so close. And I think that is starting to really spill over into our church family as well. I think so, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just church family. I think, you know, one of the things that is always in my ministry and I try and keep, mm-hmm. keep an idea and keep my head around it mm-hmm. as far as student ministry in all areas, really that, mm-hmm. you know, people need to know that I care, you know, and I feel like that almost matters more than anything else that I say sometimes. Yeah. And I really feel like that's one of those things. I, I have a natural tendency to just really um, dive into a relationship deeply and quickly and mm-hmm. sincerely. And mm-hmm. that's such an important ministry tool, I think. It's a people skill. Yeah. And it is highly important. Could we come back and talk about that a little more? Yeah. Maybe next time, J.C.? Absolutely. That'd be awesome if we could. And I'd like to uh, get you to kind of expound on that a little bit about um, people skills and and really the loneliness of ministry because sure. uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's of the devil, but there is a sense in which our culture uh, is set up to fight against um, strong relationships, yeah, especially with friends. We're uh, in the ministry sometimes. It's almost a cliche. I've said it so many times, but we're friends with everyone and friend, friendly with everyone and friends with no one. Yeah. And that's a, a tendency you have to be intentional to fight against. So let's talk about that when we come back and maybe some things that our listeners can uh, glean 
on how to improve uh, relationship possibilities. J.C. Ivers with us in studio today with our His Mighty Hand radio broadcast. Thanks a million, J.C. Thank you. God bless, man. We'll hope to uh, be back with you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast today, the radio broadcast of His Mighty Hand. I'm Pastor Chet Haney. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chet. The scripture says, I will be with you. Lo, I am with you always. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God promises and reminds us over and over again, not only that he knows the future, but guess what? He's there already. And he's going to be there with you for your future. Now, this is a living hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a hope that is full of power. This is a hope that's full of evidence. How can you explain the difference that Jesus made with the disciples and Peter except for the resurrection? Uh, as a matter of fact, when Jesus was uh, laid in the tomb, you know they didn't have graves like we have where we dig a big hole and bury somebody in the ground. Graves were often like a cave in a family would use this cave for their family grave and bury their relatives there. And when somebody else died in the family, they'd open the grave back up and stick somebody else in there. Well, Jesus had no place to be buried of his own. And so Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, offered his tomb for the body of Jesus. And they put him in that grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Now listen, when Jesus rose from the grave, that day Mary Magdalene went down to the grave to see about Jesus, found out that he wasn't there. And so she ran back to tell all the disciples that Jesus had risen from the, from the dead, that he wasn't in the grave anymore. And what was the response of those great men of faith? Every one of them doubted. Well, she said they, they didn't believe her. And uh, then all of a sudden, I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 15. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, I delivered to you that which I also received. I'm in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 now. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And then verse 5 says, he was seen first by Peter. Now this was the change that happened that turned before Peter into after Peter. Jesus appeared to Peter. And then the Bible says he appeared to the twelve. Verse 6 says, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this very moment. But some have fallen asleep, that is, some of the disciples have already died by the writing uh, of this. Verse 7 says, after that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me as well, as one born out of due time. Now, this is 
the most powerful evidence to me of the resurrection of all. And that is the remarkable change of these disciples who were scared. They were running scared. They were looking for a place to hide. They thought they were going to die. They were, uh, you know, not only on the lowdown, but they were holed up, hoping that nobody was going to find them because they knew that they were probably going to be killed too. And then all of a sudden, after they became eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, uh, look what it says here. Uh, Jesus uh, appeared to 500 brethren at once. That's like going up on a hill and teaching a bunch of people. Jesus appeared to so many people, so many eyewitnesses, that his resurrection, uh, now we're talking about incontrovertible truth. Um, if you go to a court of law and you say something, well, that might be, you know, debatable. But if you can bring witnesses forward who confirm what you say, then your testimony becomes more compelling. Now you have over 500 witnesses who are giving the same testimony, and now it's just beyond, um, it's beyond arguing. This is a, uh, a fact that's attested by eyewitnesses whose lives were radically changed because they saw the power of Jesus. Now, here's what this means to you and me. Your life can be radically changed as well by the power of the resurrection. And you say, well, I didn't see it. I wasn't an eyewitness. Well, guess what? That's okay. Jesus said, even more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Our faith is not based on blind trust. It's based on the power, uh, for instance, of an early creed that we just read that appears in the book of 1 Corinthians. This is a very early writing that was uh, already being um, sung or rehearsed or repeated, recited by the church in uh, the very earliest days. As uh, this letter went out to the Corinthian church, this creed was already well established about the, the people that saw Jesus. And notice back in 1 Peter now, Chapter 1, verse 4, note the luster of this inheritance that we have. The Bible says that we've been begotten uh, to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. In the last day. Now listen, if it's incorruptible, if it's indefilable, your inheritance is not subject to depreciation, nor theft, nor rust, nor wear and tear, not even taxes can uh, threaten your inheritance. It's undefiled. It does not fade away. The newness does not wear off. The joy doesn't fade away. No unholiness defiles it. It is holy and beautiful. And uh, it's also by reservation only. Because verse 4c tells us this. This inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. Well, who is that? That's for you who have 
believed. You have put your trust and your faith in Jesus. And uh, therefore, you are kept, the Bible says, by the power of God for a faith that is ready to be revealed at the last time. You know, the resurrection eyewitnesses testify to the truth uh, that we're talking about, and it's uh, it's still changing lives to this very day. Uh, Connie Ochoa gave me her testimony. She wrote it out. It's many pages. I could read it all to you if we had the time, but I just want to share a few a few words with you. She said, uh, talking about her life uh, during the last year, during COVID, during the difficult time we've been living, she said, I... Um, perhaps some of you, she says, I was living a comfortable life. She said, I was not thinking I had a lot of sin in my life, but God knew I was not honoring him with time or with my money or with my gifts and talents. And she says, that is sin. She says, God deals with sin severely. So we turn back to him she, she says, in my case, he tried to warn me. In March 2020, I had a multitude of health issues. Regressed over time. And uh, she said, I had constant physical and mental pain. As I went around to 13 different doctors, and um, from March 2020 till now, she said, I even had two doctors tell me there was nothing more they could do for me. I lost all hope. She says on September the 9th of 2020, I tried to take my own life, which was a sinful thing to do, she says. I took 30 sleeping pills. And uh, she described some other things that she tried to do to, to, to die. But she said, God saved me. I sinned. But I did not get what I deserve, and that's God's mercy. God disciplined me. He tried to warn me I was going down the wrong path. And uh, honestly, I, I knew about all this. I was uh, tried to help Connie and support her husband, David, when they were going through this terrible time. And then I kind of lost touch with him for a while. And, uh, you know, I'd reach out. I'd Kind of as a pastor, worry about a lot of my sheep that I've hadn't seen for a long time, and try to call them and check on them. And you know, uh, sometimes you're successful, and sometimes not so much. And I was kind of losing track of David and, and Connie. And about a month or so ago, Connie came down the aisle, and she said, "Pastor, I've been, you know, I, I've been singing, I've been." Not right with God. And she said, I'm just so ashamed of it. She says, I want to be saved. And I want to get baptized. She said, I made a, I made a profession in Jesus a long time ago, but I didn't really understand it. I was just a kid. She said, I want to be saved for real now. And I want you to baptize me. She's telling me all this with a mask on her face. And I had no idea who it was. I did not recognize her at all. For one thing, she's real quiet, as I remembered her, you know, just kind of shy and not really.
put herself out there vocally like that. But I mean, she was letting me have it, you know, at the altar. So I said, God bless you. That's just so wonderful. I had no idea who I'm talking to. That's just so great. Praise the Lord. You know, and I sit her down here. And uh, Darlene Montgomery, this is in the second service, came down to fill out the card. She said, my name's Connie Ochoa. And I like to fell in the floor right there. <laughs> because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was Connie. And I was like, praise God. And uh, she came to get baptized. She filled out her testimony. She gave it to me. And she brought me a book. It's a pretty cool book. It's called The Ways of God. And uh, you can't make this stuff up, folks. She, she brought me this book called The Ways of God. It's kind of like a workbook that she'd filled out from one cover to the other. All the scriptures and all the testimony and all the reflections, all the insights. She had devoured this book. It had been such a blessing to her, she wanted me to see it. So she brought it in to me, and I look on the cover. It's written by Henry Blackaby and Roy Edgman. You may know of Henry Blackaby, who's the author of Experiencing God. I'm going to tell you, that book has rocked our world in my lifetime. Roy Edgman, the other author, lives in Sulphur Springs. He's retired from Lifeway. I called him up. I said, Roy... How would you like to come teach your own book at our church? He said, I can do that. And starting this Wednesday night, that's exactly what's going to happen. Roy Edgman, who wrote the book that Connie read after God touched and blessed her life, is coming to teach us starting Wednesday night in this spring semester of Breathe. Something I think we all need to learn as a church family together. We need to learn the ways of God. And so we're going to. And I hope you'll be a part of it. But right now, I want to say one thing. God did not make you a puppet. He did not make you a robot. He made you in his own image, which means he gave you the capacity to choose by your own free will whether to apply the secret weapon of a living hope to your life so that your life can be changed as well. It's a choice God's given us the power to make by our will, by our own choosing. We have the opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I believe in you. Yes, Lord, I affirm the resurrection of Jesus. And yes, Lord, I want the power of the resurrection to take control of my life and to help me be changed from before to after, from what I used to be to what I'm going to be. It's the resurrection that makes all the difference. Now, I want us to bow together in prayer and stand quietly and reverently. At this time, let's just stand together, bow our heads and hearts together. Right now, we're about to have a, uh, a moment of invitation. And praise God for this part of each day. It's the part where we have the privilege and the honor by the invitation of Jesus to pretty much what Thomas did, 
to put our hands into his hand and our fingers into his side to feel the nails, the scars of the nails, and the, to feel them and to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. And now today, Lord Jesus, I want to receive you into my life. I want to give my life to you. I mean it with all my heart. I'm ready to be saved. I'm ready for my life to be changed. I'm ready to start living in the ways of God. And I'm asking you to come and take control of my life right now. That's a choice that you have the power to make. And I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. Brother John and myself will be standing here at the front. Brother Steve is going to lead us in singing. Christians all over this place are going to be praying. The Holy Spirit is going to be moving. And it's your opportunity now to say, yes, Lord, I believe. You come and say yes to Christ right now and experience the power of his change. Even as you're coming, you'll feel the pages turning as God moves you from one chapter to the next and begins a whole new chapter in your life right now. Come and receive today. Come and believe. Come and give your life to Christ right now. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 